Drink it in now. Deep left side carry on. Picks on the block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown Detroit Lions. Drink it in now. Get up Stafford throws. It is end zone. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. Drink it in. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Detroit Kool-Aid, what is going on, everybody? We are back. We got all things Lions. We got OTAs and other things going on. And this is normally the time in the show where I introduce Grifka. But what I thought I'd do, we have a special guest. I thought I'd introduce him instead. Grifka's really not worthy of the great intro, but this guest definitely is. So our guest today, he's the king of the quib score. He's a Lions savant. This guy probably has a cot and his own passcode at the APHQ, the Allen Park headquarters. He has more words written than Stafford has passing yards. He's a respected columnist, and he's here today to break it all down for us. And he's from the Detroit Lions Breakdown Podcast. Eric Schlitt is in the building. Eric, thank you so much for coming back, man. Of course. That was a very thoughtful intro. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we really appreciate it, man. So uh, we scrapped our plans. Uh, you know, we've been uh, just reaching out to you a bit. Um, we got to talk to you before the draft. And as we said last time, our schedules are crazy busy, but uh, you may, you were nice enough to make some time. So we wanted to get you after the draft, talk a little bit about that and just, uh, you know, bounce some Lions topics back and forth here and have some fun here on the show. So uh, sound good to you? You ready to do this? Yeah, let's go. So, Eric, my first question to you, again, we're going to put Griffcom pause here for a minute. My first question is, so, you know, we all watched the draft. We all had our thoughts about what the Lions did, who was on the board, all that type of stuff. So kind of a direct question to you. Like, I want to know some of your, you know, quick and general thoughts about the draft, but more specifically, like, now that the draft is over, talk to me a little bit about what you thought of it and how it merges with what they did in free agency. Cause I think that's really important is how the two work together and what they ended up with after both free agency and the draft. So the overall thing that I think I took away from the draft is that the lions board is never going to line up with the national board narrative. It's, it's, right. we're never going to see, uh, high grades we're never going to see as long as this coaching staff and in, in, in front office is in, is in place we're never going to see high marks and, and and to be honest it's not necessarily a bad thing when when right. um millen was here millen used to get a's every year matt right. millen got a's and, and and we saw the the product of of his draft so we're never going to see those those big drafts because in from a national narrative they're trying to rank players for 32 different schemes and 32, you know, offensive schemes and 32 de- defensive schemes. And, and the Lions really don't fit the mold of what most of those schemes are. And so they're going to say the Lions reach for this guy or, you know, they this guy doesn't quite fit or they don't see it. And there's always going to be, you know, these national guys that don't understand the, the intricacies of a team like the Lions who, you know, f- for 
when you're not winning playoff games, you're not going to draw that national interest. And so they don't take the time to learn about where the holes are, what the team is doing. And then they just give these kind of general broad strokes and those broad strokes cover, you know, this and that, but, but they never really will match up with what the, the national people think the direction of the league is headed. And so that was my overall is overall thought is, you know, they got players that they wanted at spots that they wanted. And when you look at, and you listen to the rumors around around it, it, it makes sense on, on the moves that they made, but mm-hmm. you know, they're always going to get bagged on. That's just the nature of, of how it works. I mean, the Patriots, it's, we've seen this with the Patriots over the years and then, all of a sudden, you're like, wow, where did this guy come from? You know, it was a day three pick that nobody wanted. And then, you know, he ends up starting for five years for them or something. So that was my general uh, thought. Uh, overall, you know, when you when you look at how the free agency period and the, and the draft matched up, you, you basically see every need that we had that, that we thought, you know, that needed to be filled was addressed uh, before the offseason began I notated 17 needs that I thought that they would address and they addressed 16 of those 17 needs uh, that I had put out there so they hit all the marks except for one for me on, on what I thought they would do and then I mean it was at the point where in the seventh round um, I turned to uh, a couple of the guys in the media room and I said the only spot on defense that they haven't filled is a reserve nose tackle. And then they drafted PJ Johnson. And so <laughs> it's like, you could almost, you could just see how, you know, what that, that they had a plan and then they just kind of, you know, they went through and filled as many spots as they have. And I think they have a, a nice balanced underrated roster right now. All right. I, I like those answers a lot. So um, you, you definitely feel like they not only merged the two well, but um, even looking at it, if it wasn't the player you particularly had in mind, like looking at it now, you really do feel like they not only filled the holes, but um, that they were they were good fills or fills that can obviously fit the scheme and, and really impact the 2019 Lions, you would say? Yeah, I mean, w- when you look at the draft, Hawkinson's going to make an impact right off the bat. Uh, I believe Tavai is going to help make the linebackers uh, flow better than they have in the past. The linebackers have always been limited, and he has the positional flexibility to help uh, put the other linebackers in better situations. Will Harris was a draft pick for the future, much like uh, Tracy Walker was last year, where it's probably going to be spot play, and then he'll he'll develop into a starting role. And you can kind of see that with some of the day three guys, too. They're They're – there's potential for them to contribute uh, on a lower level early, but you can see opportunities for them open up on the roster uh, long-term. Nice. Now, Grifka, I know you're over there and I know I'm supposed to pass it to you, but I got one more quick thing before I, <laughs> I, I flip the ball to you. Um, Eric, talk to us for one second about was Jelani Tavai on your radar? I know now that they've taken him, you know, everyone's seeing the size, you know, the football character, the ability, he definitely wasn't on, you know, many fans' radar. Was he on yours in regards to Quib, or just in regards to when they took him? You were kind of like, oh yeah, you know, Tavai, he's a guy that can fit the scheme, and and you kind of knew him, or was he a little bit even off off, you know, the the radar that you had created? So he didn't fit Quib because he was injured, and right. and and That's right. he, the testing he did was kind of after the fact and like not official, and so I don't. I throw a lot of that testing out of the, out of the park for me. Uh, but as far as was he on my radar, he was, uh, if you, I can, I can get you an article. Uh, when I previewed the Hawaii bowl, he was my guy, uh, that I, the, the number one Hawaii player, uh, that I said, you should be looking out for. And I said, this is a guy who, um, could end up on day two and if the lions take him on day two he's going to compete with the uh the at the will position so that was december 27th i believe so nice. he was on my radar back in december and i know a lot of people probably didn't read my article on what to watch in the hawaii bowl but it was there you know what i mean like i had thrown that i had thrown his name out there earlier um dane brugler from the athletic was a really big uh promoter of of Tavai, and so he was he was there. I, I I thought it was still earlier than like most people thought he was going to go, uh, including myself, including Dane, who, like I said, was even his biggest uh, supporter. But when you look at how things played out, 
uh, after the fact, um, you know, understand why they took them where they did. For example, Miami is switching to the Patriots style with their new uh, head coach, and they were looking for a Jack linebacker. When the Lions picked Tabai, Miami traded out. And the rumors are that they were targeting him as their Jack. Uh, and when the Lions took him, they didn't have another option, and that's why they traded out. So it's, it's a scenario we've seen over the last couple of years where the Lions are either getting ahead of, of teams or uh, taking guys that other teams were targeting in those spots. So while it seems like it was a reach for, you know, um, you know on the national boards, Miami was targeting him. The Patriots were targeting him. And so he wouldn't have been there in the third round. And and he has the opportunity if he, if he fulfills what they want him to be, he could be a really uh, a game changer on this. And as far as multiplicity goes in this defense. Awesome, man. I I knew Eric Schlitt would be all over it. I knew he'd be on top (laughs) of it. I've really liked what I've seen from this guy since he's here. Grifka time to wake up and ask uh, Eric a question. But before you do that, I think this is only fitting. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, Eric, first of all, I want to say, you know, thanks for coming back. We really appreciate this. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you can make some time. Um, my question to you is the way the draft is falling, a lot of people, including myself and Derek was talking about as well, that maybe the Lions were uh, hoping to get Josh Allen um, sure. the way the draft was going. Do you believe that the Lions would have taken Josh Allen if he was there? Um or was Hawkinson always the guy? And maybe he was even Ed Oliver, was he even on the radar? Were they even kind of looking at him? So Josh Allen, I believe that they would have taken him ahead of Hawkinson. Um, what we would have likely seen is if they took Josh Allen at eight, they probably then would have targeted a tight end at 43. And then you just <laughs> basically flip those two positions. I, I From what I have heard, Josh Allen was – uh, higher on their board, someone that they were that they were hoping would be there, but didn't expect to be there, and um, so close. Yeah, but but Hawkinson again. That, I mean, Hawkinson was right up there with him in, in that at that same level of caliber. Um, you hear that, Grifka? I, I, I have talked yes. to you. Um, <laughs> I talked to you guys last time about what a big Ed Oliver fan I was. Me too. And I was told that they weren't as high on him, and I think that's it's it's obvious that they weren't as high on him the fact that they uh, took Hawkinson over him. What I was a bit surprised at was they were also targeting uh, Devin Bush. And again, it would have been the similar type situation. If, if, if Josh Allen had gone a little earlier and then uh, Hawkinson went to Jacksonville, Devin Bush would have been the pick ahead of Oliver. And then we would have seen a similar situation where it would have been Devin Bush at eight and then a, a tight end probably at 43. So, I do. I think Ed Oliver was a couple of picks removed, and I really don't think at eight he was in play. Uh, if they would have, you know, switched to trade back or something like that, it's a lot. That was that's more realistic to have gotten him. But the way the board fell, they had three guys that they liked, and um, you know, with one spot picking ahead of them, and they knew they were going to get somebody they wanted. And uh, and, that, and unfortunately for us fans of Ed Oliver, he was not in that in those top three uh, options. That's uh, that's pretty interesting how we all thought maybe Ed Oliver was the guy that they were looking at, sure. but uh, if he wasn't in even like at the top three, that's uh, they would have took Bush instead. That's uh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, from what I was, what, what I've heard, um, Patricia was very very high on Devin Bush, and um, they would have overlooked like the weight thing because they think he could have uh, had a, a he could have had a big enough impact at his size that they would have been uh he would have been the guy if Hawkinson wasn't there. Okay. See so, uh Derek, uh, you have another you have another question for Eric? Oh, absolutely. Uh thank you Grifka. Uh man, what great insight Eric and like you say we can never know what's going on in the room, but you hit on mm-hmm. all the points in regards to kind of, you know, what fans may have been thinking and hoping for versus like, you know, I know it came out really late in the process about Devin Bush, but mm-hmm. I can, I can totally see that. Even like, as you say it, I'm thinking about that video that came out about 
Quinn and him talk, talking to Mrs. Ford about Hawkinson saying he's our guy and, and Patricia like being on board, but also in the back of his head, like want another defensive uh, toy that he just ha- totally had uh, faith into. So all that kind of is really interesting to hear. Uh, appreciate you sharing kind of that. And like you say, we'll never know for sure, but I think it's really interesting to, to talk through. So um, the next question I had for you was kind of on a, on a show we talked about it's so early here in the OTAs and whatnot, but uh, I just wondered if there was maybe one or two position battles that you really are going to both keep your eye on or that intrigue you. I know we have lots of them, you know, we kind of talked about, uh, you know, how's the running backs going to shake out, you know, and and we got a lot of um, safeties, you know, what, where are they going to play these guys and and how are they going to shift and move them around? We kind of talked through some of that stuff, but are there a few that really, when you get your eyes on OTAs and heading towards training camp that you think, man, I I really want to keep my eyes on these position groups and see how the players break down when it's all said and done. Yeah, I actually have an article coming out. Uh, I already wrote it. It's coming out in the morning. Uh, nice. It'll be out tomorrow morning. Um, you can I just tease it if you want to. Just no, tell the okay. people where to where to find it, and we can go listen to that or okay. read that because that's going to be awesome. No, people still read it. I'll tell you. I'll yeah. tell you. I, I wrote five <laughs> things, and I and four of them were position battles, and one of them was just a thought. But the nice. position battles that I was looking that I'll be looking at when the next time I'm uh, at OTAs uh, later this week will be. I'm going to be looking at who's wide receiver four, who's who's the receiver that's going to step up behind Marvin, Kenny, and Amendola because that's a spot that I think is still going to have valuable snaps. And even though it doesn't seem like it's going to be a person that's going to be in the rotation a lot, it's a it's a needed spot that they need to have somebody reliable there. So that's my first uh, first one. The second one is is the shifting on the interior offensive line uh, going to stick? I feel like if, if they stick with what they did last week with the shifting around of guys. If that's the same shifting um, or if that's the same spots they're in this week, then we might as well just write that in on the depth chart because that's probably what's going to be all the way into training camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next one will be, um, <clears throat> excuse me. What is the, um, the, the safety situation? How is that shaking out? I, I want to know who, I have an idea in my head of who I think is going to be like at single high, who's going to be in the slot, uh, who's going to be the third option at safety when they, when they bring a safety on. So uh, I'm, I'm curious with, with that as well. Like who are the guys that, wh- who are they playing and, and who's got, where, what's the hierarchy there? Right. Uh, the final one is about to buy. Uh, he's played Mike so far. And I want to see if they give him a little bit of a taste of the other linebacker spots in OTAs so that he has something to marinate on over the summer before they get into OTA. So those are the four key areas, two on offense, two on defense, that I'll be keeping an eye on when I'm uh, in, in Allen Park uh, in the next couple of days here. Awesome. I wanted to ask you, like, follow-ups, but I won't. Everybody go check That's out right. that article. The Lions Wire, Eric Schlitt does a tremendous job. So, Griff, go back to you, buddy. I'm sure you got another awesome question for Eric. Yeah, Um it's kind of a follow-up from the one before uh, you mentioned Tavai wasn't uh, one, one of the quib guys because of his mm-hmm. in, due to his injury, but um, was there one pick who maybe wasn't a quib guy or one surprise guy that you were surprised that the lines took maybe besides Tavai? Um, so Hawkinson was a full qualifier. Tavai wasn't Harris was a full qualifier. Bryant wasn't because he was injured. Uh, Oruwarie was a full qualifier. Fulgham was a full qualifier. Johnson was a partial qualifier only because he didn't do everything. Um, Nauda would have been the, I guess, the surprise from a quib standpoint. And then PJ Johnson qualified as a nose tackle. So that works for him. So realistically, the only guy that didn't hit on the quib um, and, and wasn't injured was Nauda. And so with him, it, it's really just a value. Uh, situation here, right? Talking about a guy who can play in line, he can play H-back, he's probably uh, really ideally suited for the tight end three role. Um, you know, in the in the, in the the categories that I track for tight ends, it's, I track reception percentage, yards per target, yards per route run, drop rate, and um, run blocking. And in those five categories, there was only two tight ends in last year's draft class that were in the top seven in all of those categories and it was Hawkinson and Nauda so from a statistic standpoint 
he definitely fit what the Lions were looking for. But from an athletic standpoint, he was outside of the box. But in the seventh round, you can really throw away, you know, some of the, those metrics because you're looking at guys who, you know, have upside and, and really a seventh rounder is you, you're just getting a guy in camp instead of trying to, uh, you know, give him a, a big signing bonus as, as an undrafted guy. Okay. Do you think not has a chance of sticking with the team? With with all the tight ends that they've signed this off season, yeah, in my mind, um, it's a probably a battle right now between Nauda and Roberts for who's the third tight end, and then if Nauda wins, Roberts is going to have his handful keeping Logan Thomas off his back for that tight end four spot. If they take Roberts in that three spot. Um, then it will be, do they want to move guy like Logan Thomas or do they want an inline guy, inline guy is like Nauda for their tight end four spot. So I, I do think there's a real good chance for him to make it. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up being the third tight end on the roster off the bench. Just sorry. Sorry, Derek. Just one more quick question. Do you think um, I, I'm reading a lot that Nauda would be like, like a main red zone target. Do you mm-hmm. think he might be able to get a few more touchdowns simply because more people are double teaming thinking they're going to go to Hawkinson or some of the other potent wide receivers lines have that might open up spot for uh, Nada to catch some, catch some TDs. It's possible. Um, I mean, he's only six, three and a quarter, so he doesn't create like a huge target, but um, he's so reliable. Um, You know, he doesn't drop much at all. So that's, I mean, he caught 86% of the passes thrown his way. Right. And he only dropped like, like 3% of his passes or something like that. So it's like one in like every couple of years. So like he's very reliable from a, if you throw the ball his way. And when you get into that inside, maybe the five yard line, I think he could be a really valuable guy because you could use him in, in a couple different situations and you could sneak him out where someone wouldn't be, be targeting him. But if he caught three tight ends this year, I think that would be, that'd be a win for him. Uh, on the season. Okay, that's good. Good, good insight on a guy that the uh, Lions took late in the draft that uh, a lot of people didn't know a lot, a lot about. So, uh, uh, Derek, uh, what's your next question for him? Now, Grifka, I'm trying so hard this podcast not to bust your chops and be respectful of Eric and just uh, ask him questions. But my favorite part of the show, other than Eric's great knowledge, is that you asked him about two or three tight end questions. When all the Kool-Aid drinkers know that all you do is complain about Hawkinson, complain about the tight ends, and here that's that's on your uh, note sheet to ask three follow-ups about tight ends. So I love that as part of the show. That's a, that's a bell for that. Uh, but, uh, Eric, I want to ask you about the guy. There's two guys I think that sort of make or break this draft. And, you know, uh, again, I, I bust Grifka's chops. He goes out to the park on draft day. You know, it's the biggest day for us football fans. He's out there. Who knows what he's doing? He skips the draft. But I'm there bunkered down, kind of watching the board fall and looking for value. So are, are you excited about Will Harris um, because I think, again, middle of the kind of, yeah, back end of the third there as a pick we got for Golden Tate. I mean, I felt like a safety was an important spot to consider, you know, because it is it is a really versatile spot. You can move them around. You can blitz safeties. You can have them cover tight ends. They do all types of great things. So sa- safeties were definitely something I looked at. Now, Will Harris, I, I knew – you know, he'd been a solid football player, you know, has that type of leadership ability. You know, I can't say he was at the top of my safety list, but I thought in the third round there, when you look back at it, I mean, he's an explosive football player, a, a run and hit type of guy. Um, I, I really like what I see and he's not getting talked about too much. And you said he's maybe their future pick or a, a developmental type player. I really think between him and then the other guy I've really been reading up on and love is uh, Fulgham there in the sixth. I, I've watched some things on him. And I feel like he is, seems to me like a smooth athlete, long arms, you know, goes up and gets it in the red zone, has some run after catch. I know I'm throwing a little bit at you there, but you know what I'm saying? Like, are you excited about Will Harris? And, you know, do you have upside ability for Fulgham where when you said our number four receiver, you know, I know it seems like a stretch to put him in there, but I think – can he make a run for that or can he at least be a five, 
you know, because I think he's got some, he's got some Kenny Galladay type ability when you watch him on film. So uh, look, let's start with Harris. So Harris is a guy who I think is best suited for the strong safety role, which is what the Patriots and the Lions sometimes call the Joker role. Uh, if you, if you look at the Patriots who have a much you know larger uh, body of work, um, it's basically what Patrick Chung is for the for, for the Patriots. So he's he's a guy who is going to live near the box, but he can cover tight ends and he can hit. Uh, but he's not a guy that you're going to put out in center field. Uh, you're not going to ask him to to cover running backs as much, but he can probably cover some receivers at times. Um, that it seems like he's best suited for that. I mean, he's he's very underrated athletically. Like from from a from an athletic standpoint, he was a full quib qualifier at safety, but he was also a full quib qualifier at cornerback. So he's, he's very athletic in what they look for in a defensive back in general, and, and they can use him in a lot of different ways. And I, I think he's their future joker. I think he's, they're hoping he turns into Patrick Chung. So right now, Tavon Wilson is in that, is going to be in that role where he's the third safety off the bench. And I think Harris is going to challenge for that. And it's very possible that he comes in and he ends up being that long-term third safety. And, and if he is, if he does develop into that, you have a really nice trio of safeties back there that are, that will be signed under contract for, for, you know, through 2021. Right. So that's the key is that I think they were, this was a pick where they were looking long-term now, I had a couple other safeties that were rated higher than him, but I understand why they took him, you know, with the fact that um, Pascaloni knows him from his time at Boston College. And so he understands, you know, what he brings to the table probably better than any other coach in the NFL right now. So, you know, the verdict is still out, but I think the verdict is still out on him as much as it was out on Tracy Walker last year. You know, you have to put your trust in the fact that the, the coaches and, and the scouts and the front office have done their job and they think that this is a guy that can develop into a large role. So I agree. It seemed like getting that third safety was, it seemed a little early in the third, but when you look at it again from a overall concept of what did they acquire, just like with Tavai, they've added a guy who they believe can start or will eventually be able to start in a position where they already have starters. And so he gives them long-term depth. He gives them uh, current depth and the ability to do uh, to, to allow them to be multiple. Will Harris allows them to put six defensive backs on the field and go big. He, and so that's something that you, you know, they didn't necessarily have before. You could say Tavon Wilson could do that, but you know, I think Tavon Wilson has a limited ceiling. Well, whereas Will Harris has a much higher ceiling. So it's, it's this long-term depth and uh, that I think here, what is what really is appealing about Harris, but you know, he's got to, he's got to develop and he's got to move into that. Uh, switching over to Fulgham. I actually, I'm a big fan of Fulgham. I really like him a lot. I think he could be, I know um, Oruwarie is the guy that most people think is like the best value pick of the draft, and it might have been for the Lions, but I I really think long-term Fulgham may end up being that guy because he could end up being wide receiver four this year. Right now, I don't have him penciled in it. Right now, I don't have him penciled in it four, but I think he can be four. Um, And as far as his upside, he reminds me a lot of Marvin Jones. I know you said Kenny Galladay, but I, I think he's, in my mind, he's, he played Kenny Galladay's position, the Z at uh, Old Dominion. Yep. I, think they're, I think he can be a, a better X in the, in the NFL where he's more of a, of a straight line, high point the ball. Uh, you don't worry about him getting separation, which isn't his strong point, but he has the ability to make plays and he, he can score touchdowns and, and he can, you know, he just is, a very under control athlete. And so I think his future this year could ease, or he, he could step in this year and be a wide receiver four. And it's possible that he ends up be turning into a wide receiver two, two years from now and two years from now, Marvin Jones contract is up. And so it's very possible that they have their long-term replacement for that. Now, there's a lot of development that needs to happen with him, even more than what we just talked about with Will Harris, but, He's an excellent run blocker, and that's going to get him on the field 
early on offense and he's and that's going to get him on special teams and and if you can get on the field in those two situations there the the future is bright for him so realistically to be wide receiver four you have to beat out Andy Jones you know maybe you could say Powell has some upside or Tommy Lee Lewis has some upside but in my opinion the way that this offense is run he's got to beat out Andy Jones and if he can beat out Andy Jones he's your fourth receiver I love it, man. Broke it down uh, amazingly. I'm right there with you. So, Grifka, throw it back to you, buddy. Um, me and Derek, we hype this podcast as we're the fans. And mm-hmm. I know even uh, when we go to training camp, we, me and Derek, we do get a little starstruck with uh, some of the guys there. My question to you is being able to like go into the locker room, talk to these guys, you know, one-on-one personally. I guess, what's it like? You know, is it, are they easy to talk to? Are they willing to come up and just kind of chat with you when, when, when you're there? Can they be a little difficult? I mean, you don't have to name any names or anything like mm-hmm. that, but what's it really like to be able to do that? You know, some guys like me kind of want to know that because, like I said, I want to go to training camp and just maybe get a one-on-one where they sign an autograph or mm-hmm. really don't get a chance to talk to them. Well, I, I tell you what, what, what's unique about the Lions and, and what they've done with uh, giving me an opportunity and giving the guys at, at Pride of Detroit an opportunity uh, last year is that um, you know, we were fans of the team. And so previously the media room had just been beat writers that were paid to cover the team that weren't fans of the team. And they, when they allowed Jeremy uh, Reisman and I to come in, they said, you know, we understand you guys are fans, but we like what you do and, and we respect what you do. And, and they said, you, you know, we want to have you come in and, and Jeremy and I, you know, we showed our professionalism and, and then they've allowed other pe- members of our staff to come in. And um, so for me, I still do get that starstruck mentality sometimes when I see the players, because I, I you know, I, I want this team to succeed and I and I and I want to root for them. And while my job has me, I have to be as professional as I can. Um, there's still there still is that starstruck mentality where you walk in and you're like, oh, my gosh, there's so and so. Right. Um but, it, you know, from a start, you, you have to kind of squash some of those feelings, you know, in order to do your job. And so that's what I've had to do is I've had to kind of say, I understand that, you know, I really like this guy and I, and I like this kid as a player, but I, I need to be able to, you know, walk up to him and say, you know, hey, this is, you know, my name's Eric and this is what I do. And, and it took me a while at the beginning of last year to really get my feet wet and, um, I spent like the first week of training camp just watching what the other beat writers did and how they interacted with the players. And then the second week of training camp, um, I tried to interject myself a little bit more, but I was still a little trepidatious. And uh, what I ended up doing was um, the way it's set up is they'll bring players to you. And then the media kind of all fights for questions, but you can also walk over to the, like the roped off areas and you can ask players to talk to you one-on-one. And so I decided for me, it would be easier for me to talk to these players one-on-one. And so I started to just ask individual guys. And I started with rookies because I thought, you know, Hey, they're new to the system here. I'm new to the system here. And so I started asking rookies and, and the first guy I asked to talk to was Tracy Walker. And cause you know, no one had really been talking to him. I had liked what I was seeing from him in training camp and I wanted to basically create a relationship with him. And um, it ended up working out really, he's kept playing better and, and I kept promoting him and it ended up working out for me long-term. But after Tracy Walker, the next guy that I talked to was Deshaun hand and I got really in good with him early enough where uh, there's a real trust level that he has with me, which, which he doesn't have with some of the other reporters, which is great. And he's such a, he's a very kind person. What, what I noticed with all the rookies is that they were all very humble. And, and that's a characteristic, I think, of most of the rookies uh, that Bob Quinn brings in is that these are all humble guys that aren't really too full of themselves. Uh, they're willing to take the time to talk to you. And they were all, open to have conversations with me. Now they're still a little bit nervous about what they can say because there's things that they can and cannot say. So they are still a little bit guarded, but as the year went on, they got more comfortable with me. I got more comfortable with them. We started talking about families and, and, and you, you eventually it, it grows into some really cool uh, relationships where you can get neat information from them that you, some things you can share and some things you can't, but 
there's always that starstruck mentality that kind of goes with it. Like I've never asked Matthew quest, Matthew Stafford a question like that. That's just not in my range of things that I think that I'm capable of doing at this point. But, <laughs> but a lot of the other guys uh, are more, are, are, they're very approachable. Um, some of them are very loud and boisterous and they like to uh, have a good time. Uh, but most of the guys are willing to take the time to talk to you, even if it's just for like three or four minutes uh, they're they're really good about um, you know making sure that you get what you need, and that they can uh, you know that, that that they're they they understand what that what you're there to do, and they're willing to help you out with that. Okay, uh, just a quick follow up is uh, is Ashawn Robinson as menacing in person <laughs> as he looks on TV? <laughs> well, well, Ashawn has kind of a love hate relationship with with the media. Um, sometimes he likes them and sometimes he doesn't. And, and so, he, I mean, with, with Aishan, he's a, he's an interesting, uh, some of the, like, you just have to gauge where he's at. Right. Um, and that's true. That's going to be true of most guys. Like when you go in the locker room after a loss, you have to be able to gauge who's ready to talk and who isn't because, um, Every I've gone every after every game I talked to Deshaun Hand, but but there was one game at the end where he was really upset about the loss, and I went up to him and, I, and he was just like, no, I don't want to talk right now, and, and then that's fine. But so you have to be able to gauge these things, and, and Aishon is a very emotional player, and he and 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 that's fun uh, from a player and a and a fan standpoint. Uh, from a media standpoint, though, it can be a little uh, intimidating because uh, he, you know, when players play emotional like that, um, if they're mad, they, you know, they look scary because they are much, much bigger than you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, uh, I've always said I want to want to meet uh, Ashawn Robinson in a well-lit alley in the middle of the day, let alone oh, no. a dark alley at night. So. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. Griff, yeah, could you, so, usually, uh, usually I beat you up for your follow-up, so that was a tremendous follow-up. And uh, Eric, I know we were, we're saying thank you a million times on this show, but like I'm sitting here just uh, listening to you. Like, what great not only insight, but just kind of how you opened that door and kind of broke all that down was tremendous. I mean, I was going to joke after the question that like you know, like you said, how you kind of went from the fan side over to kind of be the doors being open and working for the team. Like we really joke and have a lot of fun on this show. We think it's part of, you know, what we want to bring to the lions fans, but I, I could definitely see like where you're coming from, where, uh, you know, we could definitely, I know Grifka sort of uh, said the starstruck part, but I, I know there's definitely a part of being able to flip that switch and, and know that, you know, you're, you're in their, their zone, you know, their field, their locker room and, and know how to how be professional as well. But I really like how you broke it down about how you approach the players and, and like I say, we, we, we go over the top here on our normal show and have a bunch of fun and joke back and forth. But um, I know I speak for Grifka. Like we really not only love this team, but over the last few years, kind of getting into this and doing some other um, things, making, making football more of a priority, you know, because I think, you know, for yourself and for others, you know, we, we really just love football and we love the Detroit Lions. So, you know, if you can make that your life's work or make that something that really you can do more consistently, I mean, that's got to be it's got to be a blast for you. I know we have fun with it and we're curious to see where it could take us as well. Cause uh, just easy to talk about something you enjoy or to write about it. I'm, I'm sure. And um, you know, but it is a job, you know, and it is something that you take seriously. So respect you on all those different levels, man. It's just great. Appreciate that. Well, thank you. Um, we, we only got um, I think one or two quick ones here for you and then we'll get you out of here. I know uh, again, time is valuable as well as you just been so, uh, so open with all your answers here. So the, the last one I had was just kind of me and you talked a little bit about, uh, you know, on the side, you know, I'm, I'm a big fantasy football guy and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, been developing some 32 team leagues the last couple of years where you really do kind of feel almost as close to a GM as you can. You know, these are contract leagues where you're actually given multi-year deals and balancing the budget, things like that. So, you know, us as fans, yeah, we may, we may never be in the draft room or be able to be a GM of a team, but some of these new leagues that are coming out and things that are available are kind of as close maybe as you can get in, in a different type of way. So I know, I know you said you moved away from the fantasy football, but I just wanted to bring one up. We're going to kind of start a, um, a show here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast on Mondays where 
we're going to be talking uh, some fantasy footballs where, you know, a lot of people are leading up to their drafts and whatnot. Did you have a couple Lions players, you know, even though you're somewhat out of the fantasy uh, football game these days that you think really might have a, a breakout year or, or that are in a really good situation when it comes to that? Or do you think also because of the change that we're almost playing old school football, that we're not the sling it around, put up the yards and touchdowns. It's going to be much more kind of meat and potatoes. And hopefully, as I always tell Grifka, we want W's first and foremost and at the end of the day. So um, do you have any takes on, on any of that? You know, um, from a fantasy perspective, it's it's going to be a little bit hard to project the lines just because we don't know what we're going to fully get from, from Bevel. But based on what we've seen from him in the past and, and the things that he's said over the last couple of uh, days here where he's going to use the run to draw him in and then he's going to take deep shots and try and open things up, um, that's good for like your Galladay's and your Marvin Jones. I think that gives them opportunities Um I don't know how well that speaks for Amendola. I think Jesse James and Hawkinson will kind of eat off of each other. Carry um, on Johnson should be in a good situation being the, the clear starter. But I do think that, you know, last year he averaged like 11 touches a game. I think that could get to 15, but he's not going to be getting like 25, like some of your other uh, every down backs that you like to target in fantasy. So I think carry on will be a nice, Maybe RB2, but he's not going to be like an RB1 uh, from a fantasy perspective. Um, and, and and honestly, Marvin and Galladay probably aren't going to be either. But I, I do think it sets up well for Galladay. I think this is an offense where they can they can utilize him. If corners still gravitate towards Jones, uh, that'll make things even easier for Galladay. And his ceiling just came, seems to be rising more and more and more. So, um you know, if I'm if I'm drafting Lions, though, my God, I would be targeting Galladay and carry on. Uh, but I don't think that's uh, really surprising to anyone at this point. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what carry on ceiling can be, even like you say, depending on how he's used. And then will they stretch the field? We've heard a lot about that, you know different years, but I'd really like to start taking the top off the defense and stretching stretching defenses a little bit more um, if we can. Grifka, this is a combo question to get Eric out of here. I think this has to be asked. So, Eric, we've had a lot of battles here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast with Grifka about the TJ Hawkinson pick. Mm-hmm. He's all Grifka's all wrapped up in, like, his stats and how many yards he's going to get or how few of yards he's going to get and how few of touchdowns. And I'm more about, like, this guy is a perfect fit for this team. He's a unique guy at tight end I don't care really what his numbers are I care how he impacts the football game and does he help us get over the hump in the fourth quarter does he help us score that touchdown in the red zone where we've been struggling a little bit the last year and a half or so set either me or Grifka straight on TJ Hawkinson in regards to do you really like what this guy's going to bring to the table regardless of numbers, or do you think he's going to produce great numbers? Like where are you at on this? Cause I would let Grifka in, but he's going to say some negative things. We want to keep this positive. Like talk, talk to us about TJ Hawkinson, then we'll get you out of here. Uh, so I, I do think that he is going to be their top option at, at tight end. I do think they're going to prefer him over Jesse James. Um, I think that's going to be, their top, they're they're going to prefer him in the run game ahead of Jesse James. They're going to prefer him as in the passing game ahead of Jesse James. But, um, you know, I I think there there's there needs to be limits though on on what what we are expect expecting from him in his first year. Um, you know, when you look at the fact that James is still going to get a big a large chunk of snaps i mean they're 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 paying him that he's going to get a large chunk of snaps so he's going to get targets um and then you have three receivers that are going to get targets and then you have running backs who are going to get targets and so realistically if they're targeting hawkinson 60 times this year and he catches 45 um, and then of those 45, he ends up putting up like 500 yards and six touchdowns. That would be a successful year for me. And that's not things that are going to be like, he's not going to win you fantasy leagues or anything like that. Um, but that's a, that's a solid rookie year. And 
like you said, it, it's all it's it's really going to be about when he gets these targets and how he gets these targets. And while six touchdowns doesn't seem to be a lot, um, I do think he's going to be a, a guy that they go to on third downs. I do think he's going to be a guy that they utilize in the red zone. And I do think he will be a guy that they use to set up um, plays in the red zone. So I, 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 one of the aspects that they really liked about him was that his the way that he performed in critical situations at Iowa and when they needed a, a play that he was the guy that they went to. And and, and I think they want to utilize him as in, in that aspect as well. And so while that won't be jaw-dropping numbers, It'll be he'll be making key plays at critical times, uh, and and I think that's what their goal for him is is to be a guy that they can use to keep the drive going or or, or take the next step in what they want to do on offense. I, I wanted to hit the bell so many times while you put out all these <laughs> fires that Grifka has. Um, I love T.J. Hawkinson, a natural mover. He's going to be able to hold his own on the edge, whereas. Me, Bron, and a bunch of other people always would kind of get moved off their spot. I mean, I think he's going to do so many little things that won't get noticed. Grifka, do you have anything to say for yourself, or did Eric finally talk you into that this is a good pick, this guy's going to be a good football player, and that you need to get off the soapbox and buy in, that uh, he's, he's going to really help our football team? All I'm saying is, is that if anybody's expecting Gronkowski numbers <laughs> out of him oh, his no. rookie year, yeah. you know, 900 yards, 10 touchdowns, that's not going to happen. Rookie tight ends do not do that. And that's just what he stated. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all I was saying the whole time. And we've told you it's not about numbers. And, Eric, would you do you have a no tight ends in the top 10, or are you open to all positions that may fit a team? Because that's Grifka's other beef is, like, you just can't take a tight end that high. I certainly think from a, from a positional value standpoint that the league tends to favor other positions over the tight end. Um, I'm not against taking any player at any point, but I do think that people would have liked it a lot more if he went in like the, at like 13 or something like that, rather than eight. And I think people, it would have been a much easier pill to swallow for a lot of fans. Um, if, if you're willing to take him at eight though, you're putting a lot of pressure on him. And then if you're going to give him Charlie Sanders number, you're putting a lot of pressure on him. And (laughs) so, um, he's a big boy. The fact that they're, that they're doing this though, I think illustrates how highly they think of him and how much of him of an impactful player they believe he can be. Right. And my real quick counter was if you don't take him and you miss out on this guy, there wasn't, there wasn't like a, a real suitable replacement. That was the other thing. My sure. other reason to get him was, okay, yeah, maybe we'd love to get him six picks later, but if you miss out on him and completely, you're missing out on that two-way tight end, you sure. know, really uh, quality. Like I said, you don't find people that have, they said in an article recently how he moves and finds the spots, you know, just really natural in what he does, as well as, you know, just the blocking ability he has, I think is going to be incredible. So. We, um, you know what he does that that's very underrated is that um, there's a natural flow to his routes that is just instinctual that right. are things that take time to teach other players. Like, for example, there's a there's a clip that's been out on Twitter, like, uh, you know, you've probably seen it 100 times, but he's running uh, um, basically like a square in uh, and he he runs up the seam at like 12 yards and then he starts to arc across the middle and the safety breaks down on him. And when, and if he keeps his arc, the safety has momentum where the safety will just then follow him across the uh, center of the field and he'll stay with him and then uh, have an opportunity to make a play on the ball. But what he does is when he starts his arc, when the safety makes the change with him, he then stems upfield one step and when he stems upfield one step it, it forces the safety to throttle down and then he continues his momentum back across the field again so while he doesn't slow down that little stem step forces the safety to, to throttle down and now he can't he has to try and re-accelerate to catch back up with Hawkinson and that's how Hawkinson can create separation and and that's a very natural thing that he does that I think is underrated in his routes. And that's one of the reasons why he is open a lot for, for your uh, across the middle for your, uh, you know, like in uh, at, like he was at Iowa is that he, there's things that he just naturally does that I think will play very well in the NFL. 
Absolutely, man. I just felt like we had to do a little therapy here at the end for Grifka because I've been working on him. And I think once he sees this player, he's going to love how he catches the football, how he blocks, how he's a team player, you know, those touchdowns when we need him, first downs when we need him, all that type of stuff. So uh, we could talk for days. Eric, me and you could just talk football all day long. I absolutely love it. Um, you know, and then there's Grifka, uh, but no, we, uh, we love having you on the show. Um, go ahead. Uh, you know, before I talk all about all the great stuff you do, remind people where they can find your podcast each week, all your awesome articles, all that type of stuff. Yeah. So the articles are at Lions Wire. Um, I write basically in the off season at this point in the off season, I'm writing one article a day, sometimes two or three, uh, but you typically like one a day. Um, and then, I have a, a nice crew over there that puts out content. So we're putting out a few articles every day uh, at, the, at this point, and we'll continue through the summer. Um, then is, for my – yeah, go ahead. Oh, is, is, is Jeff Risden uh, taking resumes anytime soon? Let me know if he is. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, you guys do great work over there, no doubt about it. Um, and then uh, the podcast is Detroit Lions Breakdown. We typically tape uh, on Thursdays, uh, so – uh, we have a Twitter handle, Lions Breakdown, and then we, um, you can find us on all the different podcast formats. Uh, I think the only one we're not on is Spotify, and I keep getting told, or and not Spotify, but on a different one. And I keep getting told that I got to put my podcast on that, but um, I'm on most of the other major ones. So uh, again, uh, Detroit Lions Breakdown for that, and um, you know I do that all summer as well. And then once training camp rolls around, then it starts getting chaotic and I start doing periscopes and <laughs> all that jazz and it just gets really fun and really crazy. So what's that Twitter handle again? I know you put a lot of good stuff out there too. Oh, my, mine is uh, E-R-I-K-S-C-H-L-I-T-T. And then um, the, the podcast is uh, Lines Breakdown. Cool, man. Uh, like I say, you uh, you put out a lot of great stuff. I know a lot of the people that are listening to this, you know, I, I put it out on Twitter before this show and people were like, you know, excited you were going to be on. They love hearing your your normal show. And, and we've been blessed to have you on this show a couple of times. Uh, Griff, could normally we do our gimmick at the end of the show about do you have anything else for the people? But uh, do you have anything or just want to thank Eric before we get him out of here? Uh, Eric, once again, thanks for showing up. Um, I it's it's great having you on here. All this inside knowledge, it's a, a great addition to the show. Even you know when, when uh, you're able to make it, uh, appreciate it. I know Derek appreciates it. Um, another great show. Th- thanks for coming on. Yeah, of course. It's nice to not have to spend three hours writing a format for my show and just show up and uh, do the easy work. So oh. I, I appreciate it. Oh man, we we love your insight and like say. We don't uh, even prep too much, uh, but we do uh, love just talking Lions football. It's when we were talking, I was like, let's just come on and talk some football. And that's what we got to do today. And uh, like I say, loved your insights. Uh, We're going to be talking all about – people say this is the downtime, but uh, still lots to talk about the next few weeks, like you say, and leading up to training camp. So, Eric, uh, thanks again for coming on. We really hope we can have you again at some point. But uh, getting you before the draft and now after has just been tremendous. So thanks again. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thanks. Uh, we'll do, do it again over the summer here. All right. Appreciate it, man. Uh, Detroit Kool-Aid, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Check us out on all those podcast platforms. We'll be back here on Friday morning with another show right here. Take care, everybody. We're out. Pack the bag, start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions. Drink it in, man.